0: Welcome to the Entrepreneurial Leap Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Dubé. Well, for context, this podcast is inspired from the book Entrepreneurial Leap by Gino Wickman. Gino is the founder of EOS Worldwide and an author with over 2 million copies of his books sold worldwide. Now, in his next phase, He is taking his passion for helping entrepreneurs by partnering with five equally passionate, successful entrepreneurs, myself included, who have created the E-Leap Academy, where we teach the content from the book in a one-year program guaranteed to increase the success of early stage businesses. Now, a quick note about me. I've been an entrepreneur since the age of 14 when I started my first business selling blow pop lollipops out of my locker with my best friend. I ran a company that I sold to a public company and later bought it back. I'm an author, speaker, host of an annual leadership retreat, and in partners in several other business. And I'll be your host for the Entrepreneurial Leap podcast where every other week, You will be hearing life stories from successful entrepreneurs who took the leap into entrepreneurship. You will learn from their mistakes and their successes and be inspired as you move forward on your journey. Now, before I introduce my guest, I want to share with you a bit about the inaugural e-Leap Academy, which begins on May 23rd, 2023 in Detroit, Michigan at the Durfee Innovation Society. The Academy is an immersive nine-month experience with four in-person full-day classes taught by an experienced entrepreneurs. Attendees will have four unique experiences. The first class experience is confirm Who am I? Attendees will learn the six essential traits that make up their genetic coding and help them discover their passion and core values. For this academy only, Gino Wickman will be sharing his personal journey and doing a Q&A session with the group. The second class experience is glimpse. What do I want? Attendees will gain absolute clarity about what they want. The clearer they are about what they want, the more likely they are to succeed. The third class experience is me. How do I get it? Attendees learn how to effectively solve problems, understand accountability, finances, and prioritization. Each person leaves this experience with a crystal clear 90-day plan. The fourth and final class is we. How do I get it? Attendees learn the importance of building a strong team, starting with recruiting to hiring and effectively communicating with them. This allows the entrepreneur to stay in their personal sweet spot, and that allows them to make the biggest impact in this world. Now, along the way, powerful connections are cultivated with fellow academy entrepreneurs, and each attendee is matched with a seasoned mentor. Registration is open now, and you can find more information at e leap.com. That is e leap.com. Okay, let's go to today's guest, Gretchen Hop Doyle, CEO of Baker Hop Insurance Group. Gretchen is the owner and president of Baker Hop Insurance Group, a boutique agency with 15 employees, all women specializing in business insurance for entrepreneurial-minded, privately held companies ranging from multinational to startup operations. Baker Hop also has a dedicated team for home and auto insurance with business owners and leaders in mind. Baker Hop's achievements span. Four generations of family ownership. Gretchen purchased the company from her father 17 years ago and had a successful buyout of a 50% non family partner seven years ago. At 27 years in the business, Gretchen's leadership has evolved the company into Baker Hop 4.0, a direct reflection of her dynamic and holistic approach to insurance, risk management, corporate culture and life. Baker Hop combines a sharp focus on detail and managing insurance programs with the integration of risk management. Now, as a strategic thinker, Gretchen generates excitement around growth and change in the insurance industry, leading several boards and councils with insurance companies. She has earned numerous credentials in insurance education over the years, and she is mostly known for her energy and obsession about culture. Baker Hop's core purpose contributing to the success of others and the core values of believe, accountability, And relationships, which raise the bar, B-A-R, rule everything for Gretchen and her team. She's been a member of EO Detroit for 12 years and running Baker Hop off the EOS principles for over five years. She has three children ranging from 16 to 20 years old and lives in Detroit. And I'm so excited For you to hear Gretchen's story, you are going to love it. So without further ado, please enjoy my chat with Gretchen Hopp Doyle. Gretchen, welcome to the Entrepreneurial Leap Podcast, our second guest, second, (laughs) (laughs) no pressure.
1: No pressure at all. I'm better than being the first. Nice to see you, Rob. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. I've learned so much about you. I shared a little bit about that with you a moment ago before we started recording. And this is going to be a special conversation because you're a special person. There's no doubt about that. (laughs) Um, I always like to start with a quote. And so I'll, I'll share the quote and then I'd love to get your feedback on what you hear. So here's the quote. Believe is more than a feeling or emotion. Believe is a journey, a process, and a requirement. So what comes to mind for you when you hear that?
1: Um, Sounds like someone I know wrote it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you do know the person that wrote it? Who is? I, do.
1: I think it is me.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Sorry to embarrass you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, talk to
0: me about that—the inspiration. It's, that is an amazing statement, by the way.
1: Well, thank you. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it it really is my core value, and it has been, I think, inside me my entire life. And when we decided finally to take Baker Hop um, to a place of running on EOS, really fully committing to EOS. And the very first thing we do is have to, you know, just establish our core purpose and our core values. And we establish our core purpose and then our core values. It was, you know, believe just is our core value. And um, I... Have gotten flack, actually, Rob, over the years from people who would say, Well, how is believe a core value? It's not a value. Mm. And I and I would, you know, second guess and go back and, and and I appreciate those challenges because it it really required me to question, is it a core value?
2: Right. And
1: it absolutely is. And I, you know, I really, really, really think it's difficult for anyone in life to be to do anything without some some sort of self-belief or belief and excuse me and belief from others Mm -hmm. um and and it just is so obvious to me i don't even know how else to articulate it because it's so obvious Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: where do you think this came from it's like intuitive for you like that's what i pick up on when i hear you say obvious it's just like from the inside
1: yeah yeah I think for me, it came from multiple sources. Um, I've always had a sense of belief in something beyond myself. Mm. And it's so interesting to me to see how spirituality has evolved over the years, my own, as well as the world and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And um, so even outside of or- organized religion, they're, they're just, they're, I just have a very, very strong belief in something beyond. Um, I was also raised by a mother who literally had blinders on to everything. I mean, she believed in me, um, like nobody else. It didn't matter. And I have a, I do have a saying to this day and I use it in my own parenting is, you know, if, if my mother says it, it's true.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow.
1: And that's actually thinking more about the negative things than oh, the positive.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. I didn't, so, I didn't yeah. take it that way at first, but okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: So if, so if we have to, be I, I am very careful about how I speak to my children, mm. um, because those, your mother is such a critical relationship in your life. And when she gets in your head, either positive or negative, she's in there and she stays in there. And so my mother believed in me, um, no matter what. And there, and there wasn't always stuff to believe in. I mean, you know, it's not as if I was really showing her anything <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> she used to say when I was little all the time that I would be the next Jane Polly. Well, um, you know, wow. I'm not necessarily Jane Pauly, but, um, <laughs> and she really taught me to, you know, to, to feel good and believe. Mm-hmm. And so, and yeah. I put that out there for everybody. I, and if, yeah, it's just, so important <laughs> I don't
0: know to say it. what was it like growing up in a in a family where your this business baker Hap that you're ceo of now and full owner mm-hmm. is do i understand to be over a hundred years old
1: yes in four generations
0: what was that like growing up
1: it was fun my mm-hmm. you know i i um it's interesting about the entrepreneurial journey because I would say I didn't become an entrepreneur till I was 30 years old.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And family business um I think is a unique brand of entrepreneurship. and um I'm going kind of off the reservation here a little but it's fine um, it can be a struggle to have a business that's this old this established and feel like an actual entrepreneur. And so even thinking about having this conversation with you can be a little nerve wracking because there, I didn't start this in a basement. Um, I didn't sell blow pops when I was 14. You know, I like, I, I, I really don't fit the typical. Um, And so it, that, that there's, there's a lot of reconciliation that goes on in -hmm. family business. There was for me anyhow. And to answer your question, growing up in a family business was, um, it was just always there. It's a, it was a huge part of our life. And it was a huge part of our dinner table. And my mom worked for my dad for a while, which was an interesting really? time. Um, that And I worked here in high school. But it also doesn't feel the same as some of the scrappiness of first generation families working mm-hmm. together in a family mm-hmm. business. I mean, yeah. there were Two generations, you know, whatever that is, before my dad even took over in the 60s, it was just a business.
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: if that makes sense,
0: it does. And I'm always curious. And I, <clears throat> even on my own journey, and I have kids uh, who are not involved in the business, I thought, boy, it seems like a lot of pressure almost to take over a generational business in such a different way to carry the torch and continue to grow it. And so did that, did that come into your mind? And... Oh,
1: yes. Mm-hmm. If I had, you know, I, I don't like uh, the concept of looking back very often. You know, people will say, what do you tell your younger self? And
2: mm-hmm.
1: and now that I've sort of reconciled some things in the last 10 years of my life that were really important, that don't look back very much anymore, mm-hmm. not even to with nostalgia or anything. I just really like to um, accept life and continue to do the best I can to be here right now and mm-hmm. then you know move forward. However, I would say that the one thing that would be so would have been so helpful to me is if I had the sense of believing, let's go back to belief.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I was confident always um, or acted confident, but believing in my vision for the company, my way of doing things. That was, that'd be the one thing that I feel maybe Mm -hmm. I could have be a little bit, I don't know, um, suffered less, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, because really every generation has to, to put their, to be successful and do have to put your own, you know, learn from this beautiful foundation that was built prior, and then quickly, as quick as you can, build. So the way I think about it sometimes, Rob, is like we have this beautiful, beautiful foundation, and I am so grateful for. Particularly in this industry, very difficult to start up. You know, this is, you know, it's a very established, slow-moving industry with long-term relationships. I'm so grateful, and it was like this really strong foundation um, of a of a house, and then you have the first floor, and you have the second floor, and And on the first floor, like, it's okay to renovate, (laughs) you know, it's like, let's take down the wall and like open it up and have the great room and maybe put the floors in and the granite, whatever it is that is necessary. And that took me way longer than I would have preferred Um, so that would be the one thing I would, would say to my younger self. And I think there was some uniqueness to being a woman too, coming in after four, three generations prior of Mm -hmm. men, just a different lifestyle, different responsibilities, different outlook, um, priorities, reshuffling a little.
0: Right. Right. And, you know, I noticed in some of my research, I felt, I don't know what the company was like prior to you but I just couldn't imagine in what I was seeing and learning that it was like this. Yeah. I just had a sense. You have put your touch on it and I love the way you have an analogy for the foundation and the re redoing the first floor. Cause I really feel like that's what I picked up on.
1: Wow. Thank you so much. I'm very happy that that's coming through in Mm -hmm. the research. One of the things like what in the, we had these beautiful uh, portraits of my great grandfather and my grandfather and my father, and they were in the hallway on the way to the ladies room. And I would look at them every time I would (laughs) go to the bathroom and come back. And when um, in 2016, when we did some actual renovation here to the office space, Mm -hmm. I took those down and I, I haven't put them back up. And again, I think some people in my family think, oh, you know, there's like a lack of respect. And the reality is they want me to be successful. And in order to be successful, we had to take those pictures down. And yes, I have absolutely started um, over the last five years, really um, believing in my own vision. and, And, and it's like, one of my good friends says that you're as the, as the CEO, you're responsible for the biggest relationship and the smallest details. Mm. And I really have focused on all of that so Mm. that we have this really strong company. It's, you know, straddling fences is, is one of is probably the most exhausting thing you could ever do.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. Did you have intentions, you went to college, I noticed that, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And so did you have intentions after coming out of college of coming into the business or what was your thought process at that point in your life?
1: Not at all. I worked here in the summers and, you know, enjoyed the office work and that kind of thing. And I took off for Chicago, like a lot of kids in the Midwest in the early Mm -hmm. nineties and worked in communications and public relations. And I really enjoyed that I enjoyed that at that tail end of college, and I enjoyed it when I was in Chicago, and um, just ended up coming back here because I also kind of liked sales, and I knew my dad w- was um, going to retire young, and the the old story I used to tell is that he was going to retire young, and I wanted to give it a shot. The reality is I really didn't have much better. I didn't have a lot. I didn't have a lot of other options, not meaning it was my only option, but I didn't really like my second job in Chicago. I didn't feel Uh. like I was successful and I saw an opportunity and I did like the concept of sales. And so I asked him if I could come and work for him and I did. Mm. Um, And then one thing led to another really.
0: Yeah. So when you joined in with the business in the back of your mind or your father's mind, was there an idea that maybe someday? Oh, there was. Okay. Yeah, for
1: sure. Got yeah.
0: it. Got it. I so came you, back
1: to see if I would like it, if I oh, would be okay. interested. Got
2: yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then, um, was the idea as well that you would start in sales and kind of work your way and understand the business as opposed to, yeah. Okay. For sure. Is that an important part for a generational business to have somebody start to really feel like all aspects of the business? Yes, just... in fact,
1: yeah, I mean, oh, for sure. I mean, I think that's so obvious, really, at the end of the day, because um, I mean, the school of hard knocks, the, the other, the other imposter syndrome, I I'm, I'm not a big fan of that term, but <laughs> um, you know, the the other thing that I think family business, some kids in family business struggle with is being taken seriously.
2: Mm-hmm. And yes.
1: um and forever. I mean, there are still people I know that don't think that I work hard. And I'm so over trying to prove that. Yeah. You know, um, but I feel it, you know, I feel people and I and I actually kind of really get it and understand it. If I were someone who did start the, my business in a garage and went through all of that, I might, you know, look at someone in a family business and say, hey, you had it easier. And in some ways I probably did have it easier. Um and I'm so in awe. I mean that group of people and, and people who start businesses today, people like yourself who started businesses 30 years ago um, is the bravest thing. I, I literally think it's the bravest thing.
0: It's that- interesting that you say that because when I meet with people who have family businesses, I always think totally opposite. Like I thought, okay, I'm young. I would go do this in the garage, whatever, basement. And what do I got to lose? But when you go into a family business, multi-generations, gosh, I always think, wow, the pressure. I don't know if I could handle that. (laughs) So isn't that funny how you and I kind of see it, Darren? I'm like in awe of somebody who can take that family business like you have and just keep bringing it to another level. It's remarkable.
1: It's interesting because I think it's like a security thing. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) to me, I look at somebody who's particularly people when they leave jobs, you know and then they go stable jobs and they go out and they start a business i am like that leap because i know even as an entrepreneur as as i became an, an entrepreneur the, you know and you get more of a feel around the real risk of it yeah i think there's naivety maybe on both sides
2: Play?
1: So I didn't know I was coming in here. and I had no idea I was, mm-hmm. what I was taking on. I literally just came here and sold and had a yellow pages and, yeah. you know, ran yeah. up my dad's phone bill, calling my friends at long distance. And, you know, like, and, and then one thing led to another, and then I was an entrepreneur. Right. Whereas t- same thing for you, you go in the basement and you're like, well, what do I have to lose? I'm going to give it a shot. So I think it's like, until you get mm-hmm. to that point where there is something Mm -hmm. there that you're risking. And then you're like, oh my gosh. But yeah, maybe mutual respect and mutual misunderstanding. It keeps Mm -hmm. us all moving.
0: Was it when you began to take the business over, was it challenging in any way to because you bought your father out, but then you also had another partner, which I comp- don't. I'd love for you to kind of explain because I couldn't Correct. catch on to that. Maybe it was your dad's partner. I'm assuming, but I don't want to assume. So yeah. was that challenging, or how did that feel for you? So
1: that's when I was an when I realized looking back that I actually became an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I was, um I was 30 years old, and simultaneously. Um, I was negotiating this buyout with my dad. Negotiating is giving my, me more credit. I, I Maybe mean, he was dictating. This is how we were going to buy the business. <laughs> right. It was myself and a fifty percent business partner who had been a really successful producer, salesperson, here agent. Okay. And um, so we, my dad brought us together in the business, and we were buying him out. Simultaneous to that. I was having three children in four years. <laughs> um, and I remember my, if I, if I were to mark my first day of entrepreneurship, was I had my first baby and um, she was six weeks old. And prior to the buyout, you know, there's a little shuffling that goes on with, you know, who's going to be a partner and who's not kind of thing. There's four or five of us that were probably... You know, eligible. I see. And and our vice president of operations, who'd been here for 15 years, gave her notice. And Mm -hmm. I had a six week old. And literally one day, Rob, I was working for my dad in a family business, you know, selling insurance. Um, getting ready to have a family. And the <laughs> next day I was an entrepreneur because Jeez. I my I was home for one day with the six week <laughs> old. And the next day she was in daycare and I was back to work. Oh my <laughs> God. It's just gone from there.
0: And I picture it like you're in your sales lane, and that those are the, all the worries you have in the world. And now you're an owner and yeah. all the all the stuff at the company are now all yeah. of a sudden the worries. So yeah. going right into it.
1: Yes. And that is it, right? That's entrepreneurship at its finest.
0: It is. Have you ever thought of these, you and I were speaking before, these six essential traits before kind of hearing about E-Leap and Entrepreneurial Leap book? Have you ever uh, thought about this idea that you have uh, this tendency to be a visionary, not tendency, this inside you're a visionary, there's your passionate, problem solver, driven, you're a risk taker and responsible. You know, did you ever think about that in any way? Or when you saw that list or heard me say it, do you say, yeah, actually, that makes sense?
1: I think, look, I don't, I don't, I think when you say the list or I look at the words, Mm -hmm. I can see now, I can see that it, that I didn't see myself that way, even though I think I was always that way. Mm -hmm. I really had this box about entrepreneurs and I didn't fit in it. And I couldn't for a long time figure out what I was doing, doing what I was doing. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And in retrospect, absolutely. And I feel like it's fully formed. You know, now we talk about the first floor. Now I think I can see it, but it was always there. It was always there. I just Mm -hmm. didn't see it because I was working so hard to stay in this box or get in this box um, or be in the box of what I thought Baker Hop was supposed to be and what it had been. Um, But yet, the reason why I know this to be true, those words, the visionary, the risk taker, the problem solver, is because of this internal drive, Mm -hmm. this internal engine that I now am comfortable with, and I see, and I understand, (laughs) and I embrace, or else I would have been gone a long time ago. Why (laughs) bother?
0: Exactly. Exactly. I love there's this part in the book where uh, Gino Wickman, the author, writes about the dream and the nightmare. And I'm curious if any stories or anything comes to mind on either side of that. The nightmares are always funny, I think, in retrospect, <laughs> but you know, at the time, they're not funny at all. Right. But does anything come to mind? Like have you had the dream or the nightmare as you've been leading the company?
1: Oh, I just got like a surge of energy through me <laughs> when you said that because I've had them all. I've had yeah. them all. I won a nightmare scenario Um One of the things that's fun about the nightmares and looking back again, they're not fun going through them, right? They're the, they're the the, I, but what's funny about them is there's always funny stories about them. Mm, You know, exactly. A couple that really quickly that came to mind is my second maternity leave. This time I was going to have a maternity leave. We had a couple (laughs) people vacate, and I came in in the middle of my maternity, and just for like I to kind of like deal with the stuff. Of course. And I brought all the leaders into my office, and I said, "You guys, we've got this thing under control. It's all good." Blah blah blah. And I remember the like, you know, the, the desk phone and the office person like buzzing me. And I said, yes, you know, and she said, "Um, I just want to let you know, we just, someone just found your wallet in the parking lot, like with all your credit cards
2: all over the place. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like like, That's kind of the story of my entire life. Another one um, we call one, you know, like, I mean, it was, it's, it's. Everything is always a beautiful disaster, you right. know. And and as time goes on, you figure out how to make mitigate those, you know, disasters a little bit. Another one we call wonton soup. <laughs> we had a really problematic employee that we had. We had to find a way to move on from and we would meet at this Chinese restaurant and these bowls of wonton soup are like is like so huge. And when they first put them down, we laugh so hard in our misery, you know, at these like ridiculous. (laughs) So we used to say like, we need a wonton suit member. And I think that's what's cool about Uh, companies and teams is having those,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: those things. But the dream, yeah, I think is, you know, I feel like I'm in the dream right now. I mean, I I think flow, flow is so powerful. um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're, we're there in clarity and and i talked a little bit about with you before about the 10 disciplines mm-hmm. and um when you can read the 10 disciplines and see how practicing the 10 disciplines um will really benefit your whole life mm-hmm. your business and like you can really feel it then i think you know you're kind of like in the dream a little yeah
0: yeah as i as i was looking at your uh your everything about your company and you, I actually had this feeling that the dream was now. I don't know why I just did. So it's so cool to hear you say that. And I'm happy that you're feeling that way. Um,
1: you know, what's so- kind of cool about that, going back to belief is, <laughs> you know, probably a few years ago, I would hang on that, Rob. You know, mm-hmm. like, like, I like that. That makes me feel good. I'm happy that our, we're resonating, you know, yeah, out yeah. there. And at the same time, I already knew that. And so that is an even better feeling.
0: Oh, that's cool. You know, so about seven years ago or so, I think if I read correctly, you bought out your partner and, you know, the book has a section about whether or not you're a partner person or not. Mm. And so since you've had a partner and now you don't, do you have any insight on that for yourself?
1: That's such a great question. I was really lucky because the person I partnered with was a good person, even if we didn't end up being great partners.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: so I have a healthy relationship of of the idea of um, a time and a place for everything now. And Mm, um, I, I really think that the partnership was very important for both of us. And I... I think I probably would be more on the side of like, don't take a partner if you don't need one. And Mm -hmm. I remember after I had um, bought out my partner and it was a really good, it was good for both of us. And I'm very proud of the separation that we had. And somebody said, Oh, you should merge with such and such company and they could really use you. And, The way that he said that that day has really stuck with me. And I listen for that a lot now. If somebody needs me from a partnership standpoint or a board needs me or somebody needs me, I'm very hesitant and and more willing to step back and say, well, what do I need? Because. There's no benefit to the company if it's not something that the company needs Mm -hmm. or it's something that I need.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: I'm not ever ruling it out and I don't rule it out for people, but man, you better be careful. You really, really, really have to be careful Mm -hmm. because at some point you're going to grow. You are going to grow your Your company. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you have to be on the same page. Um, And I've seen some really, really successful partnerships. Mm -hmm that there's no doubt that these companies and organizations would be less than. Um, but, and that's only what I kind of see on the outside, but most of the time it's it's tough because you, everybody goes in different directions. And. Yeah.
0: What about the importance of a clear vision? And did you feel like you always had that at Baker Hop or did, has anything changed over mm. the years and maybe thinking in 10 year timeframes or some sort of whatever point in time?
1: I love this question right now, because I'm in <laughs> in a new vision, okay. And the vision I always had for the company was very broad and very non-specific. And the vision was that I wanted us to be the best company we could be, the just to be the best, most respected company out there. And i I was never able to. For whatever reason, really put numbers on it. I always had like a big number mm-hmm. out there, but I, mm-hmm. I didn't really connect with that number, Rob. And and really, I don't connect with numbers that well. It's not one of my strong suits. Mm-hmm. I really need good people around me who can measure and budget and those types of things. It's just how I'm. Um, I don't. I don't know that I was born necessarily to be like this phenomenal business person. I think mm-hmm. it's something else altogether. Mm. So. I set out to do this and I feel really great that we're really, really on our way to being the best company ever. And just in the last, gosh, six or eight months, I've gotten super comfortable with the idea of really meaningful financial growth. And once I connected to the idea of sharing wealth, whatever it is, in a way that makes sense,
2: Mm
1: I I really connected to it. Mm. Um, once I, I gave myself permission, again, I am very, the 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 discipline I have to use these days is to keep my eyes on my own page and to use other business cases as inspiration and not comparison, mm-hmm. inspiration versus comparison. The comparison is what really ate me alive for so many years and held me back, really held the company back. So now I am so aligned with the idea that you can have an amazing culture. You can have an like amazing team, just the best of everything that I feel like is starting to exude out there, even beyond these four walls. And, oh, P.S. And you can be really financially successful mm-hmm. and those two things can marry one another. And if you start to go this path, you don't lose that path. Mm-hmm. And, you don't get, you don't believe it till you believe it going back to believe. Yeah. I mean, you have to really believe whatever it is you're going to believe. And then once you do just go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yes, I feel like the vision was always so qualitative and not quantitative. And we were always responsible. You know I mean? We, we, we were always profitable. We've carried low debt. You know, it's, 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 it's not that type of thing. Yeah. It was, you know, so I'm
0: curious, you know, I, I can't remember the exact word that you use or words, but you said something right at the beginning of what you just shared about um being a good business person. Mm. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Okay. And yeah. so what 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 is it that you feel could be missing from you being a good business person?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's exactly that. The numbers, the, yes.
0: Okay. Yes. So yeah. that's that's how you define like if I just had that, then I'd be a good business person.
1: Yeah. I mean, how silly is that, right? <laughs> I mean,
2: the, the, the hey, journey I don't know. continues. I, it
0: seems to me you're one heck of a business person, I have to tell you. So, um, uh, And this kind of comes to my next question because, you know, Gino writes about staying in your personal sweet spot, you know, and I wonder, yeah. you know, how that shows up for you.
1: Yeah. So thank you. So I mean, after, so if we go back to when I became an entrepreneur, when I was 30, that it was the the buyout, the three children, the 50% business partner, and there was the recession and all (laughs) hit at the same time. And that's when I was born. I was, that's when I became an entrepreneur. Yes. And um, so at that time we had to reorganize as many companies did. And I, um, Mm. all of those things got me into a a grinding mode and I stayed in grinding mode. You can get into, this is something I would definitely, you know, you, I know that you are um, passionate about meditation and space and all of that and and is definitely something that if I were to say to early stage entrepreneurs mm-hmm. the faster you can grasp that the faster you can make that part of your life mm-hmm. the more successful your whole life will be because if not you will grind for 15 years and not even know what you're doing
2: mm-hmm. and
1: That is what I did. So I mean, I'm a survivor, I will say I can I know how to survive. And now (laughs) I'm thrusting myself into thriving, really truly thriving. And so 2021 was the day, the time that I had the nerve, (laughs) the bravery to take myself into a conference room with a whiteboard, and be honest about what it is I want to do for the Mm -hmm. next 10 years in my business. What do I want to do every day, not 10 years, these numbers, like, how do I want to spend each and every day? And I did it by myself. I took a step back and I was like, wait a minute. That's also the best thing I can do for the company. Right. That, and P.S., nobody else wants to do this. <laughs> right? So okay. I took a step back and I was like, okay, here's, and I have it up here in my credentials. There's like six bullet point items mm-hmm. and it's and it's all the right things for me. Mm-hmm. And then I built the org chart around that. And the leadership team came in and um, with our um, facilitator for our planning session. And I was like, okay, guys, here, here, this is what we're doing. Now let's figure out, let's like fine tune it. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, we've, I've been trying to do ever since then. And it's hard, Rob, it's hard not to grind. Once you become a grinder and an operator, (laughs) that's like going back to the business thing. I'm a good operator. I have Mm -hmm. proven myself as a good operator operator to whoever I have to prove it to which is nobody but that's a whole different right that's that, that's where your family so business stuff shows up is yeah, right there yeah, you're yeah. still proving it
2: yeah
1: um and um anyhow it it's hard to pull yourself out of that and i would say that i'm kind of still in mm. that phase yeah. of you know trying not to straddle the fences
0: yeah what were the six that you came up with
1: well for me it was, oh, let's see, it is definitely new clients
2: mm-hmm. from
1: start to finish okay. and understanding where I fit with all the new clients, mm-hmm. you know, like what, how much involvement, that type of thing. Um, it is working with our top, you know, 20% of our clients, primarily on a risk management basis, mm-hmm. um, more so than, you know, insurance servicing, which I'm not, you know, that's not necessarily my forte. We have really great people that are really, really good mm-hmm. at that. Um, the sales and marketing in general, really expanding what marketing looks like for insurance firms, which we're, we're not strong marketers by trade. So re- it's been really fun. And because that's a little bit of my background before I came to Baker Hobbs sales and marketing mm-hmm. and PR. Love that. Um, and then um, the other two are, well, there's the three, one was traveling. One was like being out and learning things and bringing things back. That's my job. I love, I'm like a cat, you know, that goes to get the mouse and comes back and loves to like, <laughs> I love that. I love that whole reinforcement of life. That's the way I get so satisfied and recognized,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is so important. It goes along with belief strongly. Um, a million new ideas
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
1: <laughs> that's on there. And then finally is really protecting the culture, you know, mm-hmm. like protecting fiercely yeah. the way I wrote it, I think was fiercely protecting and cultivating our, our awesome culture. And it might've been an F bomb in there with that too, but.
0: <laughs> that those are inspirational. And I hope that, uh, you know, in an, an emerging entrepreneur and an entrepreneur in a startup phase, you know, under nine employees who can't see the light about yes. getting in their sweet spot yet, they are grinding right down six like Gretchen did, and you might not get there today. But you have clarity around where you'll be someday because you will be. And the other thing I picked up on is I think I understood you shared these with your team members. Did I get that right? Yeah. So I shared yeah.
1: it with our leadership team. Yeah. Which was a big deal, Rob. The other thing it that is. I found was being, I, I love to collaborate. When you're when you're a human connection person, collaboration right. and and collaboration can kind of be like misleading. It doesn't necessarily always get where you want to go or where anybody wants to go. Yeah. If you're asking people to collaborate with you on something they don't have a vision about, or they don't have confidence about, you're not actually helping like mm-hmm. that. It's, it's, it's draining them. Right. And I've been very fortunate to work with the, the women that are on our leadership team today. We have worked together for 26 years
2: yeah. in
1: in the company in different capacities. So there was no reason why I couldn't trust them with my vision. Mm -hmm. And that is what I did. And what was, I mean, I do not want to discount how difficult it was. It was very, it was, it was difficult and it was, it was right.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that came to mind for me is when you uh, are open and vulnerable and uh, you have your leadership team. And when an entrepreneur gets to that stage, which they will have that, those people can then protect you. Because really, when I heard you're six, that's what's best for the company. And that's going to create success for everybody. So if they protect you and let you stay in your personal sweet spot, the company is going to do all that much better.
1: Yes. Yes, and it does take a you know a, a, the trust. I just want to touch back on this quiet time for yes. early stage entrepreneurs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, it's talked about in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. in terms of I I don't know if it was like Dan Sullivan where you were supposed to take like Wednesdays and just go to a coffee shop or mm-hmm. I I, and I think EOS talks about that too. I have found that literally the early morning time, um, having a routine in the morning and. Everybody has time in the morning. I mean, just depends what you want to do with it. Do you want to sleep? Do you want to exercise? Do you want to meditate? Do you want to exercise and meditate? Like, And you don't have to have all the money. You don't have to have all the people. You don't have to have all the experience to spend time with yourself and allow those two or three things. This is where I believe in creativity and business. Those two or three things to come to the surface. yes that you can do in that day that are going to make you feel so good about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then you do a thousand other things. But those three things can have whatever it is. I'm saying three, but, you know, usually yeah. it's a handful of things for me that weren't necessarily on my list that or, were on my list. But they really want they need to jump to the top mm-hmm. that can make the biggest difference and also create the most self-satisfaction. And when you have self-satisfaction, you feel meaning in your work. When you have meaning in your work, you have progress. And you are willing to do it day after day after day. So this idea that like early stage entrepreneurs cannot feel that same energy that you feel. I mean, you now are really in your sweet spot doing what you really, really, really love (laughs) to do, which is so inspiring to me. I'm somewhere in between maybe, you know, and these people that are early stage, they can't, they, they can't even imagine, but something's pulling them there.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. That's great. Thank you for, so I wanted to ask you about core values because um, yours are very special. And can you talk, what what I was curious about was, have you recreated your values? Okay, and so can you talk about that as an established four generation business, shifting the values and then talk about where it's at today?
1: So I had to, (laughs) I had no choice because- (laughs) Insurance is a very negative business. It just is. There is almost nothing positive about it, whether it's a claim being paid, you know, paying premiums, um, dealing with taking things on and off insurance. This is as the consumer, you know, 80% of our our business is commercial insurance. So, you know, we're dealing mostly with business owners and and also um, on personal insurance with a lot of business owners. Anyhow, nothing about it is positive. And, you know, I was born into this business. And so along the way, I felt this is the vision, I think, where it comes out. I felt compelled to reinvent what the business meant. So we, so, you know, somehow came up with this idea that really resonated, which is we're here to contribute to the success of others. That is our purpose. That is the purpose of the company, and it happens in so many different ways, but we're on the team to contribute to success because there's no getting around insurance, and thank God for insurance, but it's still negative.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: we're here to contribute to the success of others. And that is our team first and foremost. If our team is not receiving the belief, the success, you know, we're not contributing to one another, then there's no one we can contribute to. Our clients are so important and so special. We have some of the most amazing relationships out there. I love our clients so much. And some of them are so long-term, 45, 50-year clients. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. It is.
1: Um, And lots of new wonderful clients too. Our partner carrier is super important to us. Our communities, all of our communities, not just one community, but mm-hmm. all the communities of which we interact with, and our families, because it circles all back to the team. So that is what we do each and every day as we contribute to the success of others. How we do it, we wanted to keep it simple. We had guiding principles prior to, to 2016, and there were 10 of them, and they were all great, but nobody could remember what they were and <laughs> yeah that kind of thing so literally um one day just kind of came up with went through a facilitated session raise the bar mm-hmm. so easy it's like so great we raised the bar every day so believe we talked about we believe in who we are where we're going and i think as a smaller firm that's just so fun because you know Anybody can sell their company. Anybody can, you know, be part of a larger organization, but not everybody can be part of Baker Hop and what, you know, what we're about. So it's like the little engine that could. And I'm like (laughs) five, I'm five feet tall and I'm so small. And
2: um,
1: like, we're, we're such a minority in the industry. So we're Mm. all about belief, Um, accountability. We do what we say, we'll do super simple, very broad, not easy all the time, but but simple and relationships and we're really passionate about building relationships with all those, you know, groups of people that are so important to us that I mentioned and believe in it. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's everything.
0: I loved it. I, I have to tell you when I saw that I was like, this is fantastic. I mean, it's so easy and so clear what you all are about and the believe, which we started with, by the way, yeah, with that quote is very powerful. I have to tell you, it is very, it's a very powerful word. So I give you a lot of credit for incorporating that into what you're doing.
1: Thank you. I, we have to talk about Ted Lasso for two seconds. because oh, that's
0: right. Yes. Thank you. Because
1: I mean,
2: he, <laughs> I
1: mean, he brought that to all of us yeah. and it's accessible to everybody.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and it is, it's, I'm, I watched a little bit last night of the next season and I, I'm just, I'm just so grateful that that's part of like what got people through the pandemic even. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that yeah, is
0: true. Thank believe. you for that. Okay. So finally. Is there anything? And don't feel pressure like there needs to be some like great statement. But if you have one that's coming to mind for an early stage entrepreneur, even maybe you know it's uh, a multi generational person coming in who might be taking over a business. Is there anything that comes to mind? Any sort of nugget of wisdom that comes to your hmm. mind that you'd want to share?
1: Like I said, I I wouldn't have thought that I had anything. You know, necessarily to share. Mm -hmm. And it really is coming through very strongly that if you can educate yourself on your industry, whatever that is, and really not compare yourself to others. And really like dig deep and, and keep listening and keep trying and keep feeling, but really try to keep your eyes on your own page. I think market research is only so beneficial. Mm-hmm. I really think that if you have um intellect and desire and drive and openness, then you don't need a lot of other things to um to be successful.
2: Mm-hmm. I,
1: I hope that makes sense. What it makes total sense. Okay, (laughs) it's total. It really is the amount of energy that I spent paying attention to either people before me or people next to me or people around me, and if I would have focused all that energy into believing Mm. and trying and failing and trying and failing and trying, trying 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 and succeeding, I don't believe in failing. I believe in trying you know, I would, um, I would have saved myself a lot of exhaustion.
0: Mm -hmm. That's so good. All right, Gretchen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. That was the best. (laughs) You are something else, I have to tell you. And to all the amazing entrepreneurs listening today, I greatly appreciate you spending time with us.
2: And I wish you all much love and gratitude. Thanks, Rob. Thank you.